welcome to another episode of the Project Purple podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple, and today we're on the phone with someone who's been on the podcast before plenty of times, multiple times, I should say, a good friend of ours, part of the Project Purple family, our endurance running coach, John Honorkamp. John, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. Welcome back on another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I get excited every time we have you on because we are dropping knowledge, John, whether it's on training, marathons, half marathons, 5Ks. And today's podcast is really cool. The last time we had you on the podcast, which was, wasn't too long ago, it was back in December when it aired, we talked a bit about starting the New Year's right and some strategies about getting off the couch and starting that 5K, and hopefully many of you guys have started that. But today we're going to talk about runner safety, John, and I know this is a topic you and I have discussed at length for quite some time, I have to say, about doing something about this. And I know you've got some events coming up this month in New York City from January 23rd to the 26th. We've got the Global Safety Awareness Week, and I know you've got plenty of events which we're going to talk about in New York, but on this podcast today, we wanted to kind of really highlight some of the things that runners should be aware of when it comes to safety when they're out there. But I I, I will start this conversation off by saying, John, I think everyone should be aware of this, whether you're a runner or walker, a hiker, or a commuter that walks through the city or walks in suburbia, these are things that anyone can really take to heart, I think. And, and I wouldn't say they're, they're common sense, but I think they're just pr- probably like rites of passage of being out in the public and being active, whether that's walking or running. Yeah, I totally agree. And we're calling it a Runner Safety Awareness Week. Um, but it, it, a lot of these things that we're talking about, you have to be diligent and aware uh, some of it can be considered common sense, but sometimes it's you know, maybe not top of mind for some folks, and just not to, to sound the alarms, but just to be more conscious of yourself and your surroundings. And uh, you can be walking back from the subway or a grocery store. You don't necessarily have to be out on a run, but uh, you know, obviously we deal with runners every day. We're coaching and we're out there and, and, uh, more than maybe the average person. So, yeah, absolutely. This is something for all runners to uh, take to heart. Anyone. So why don't we start, John, uh, the Runner Safety Podcast on, and I have a couple notes here, and I know we're going to dive in, but I think before you go out and before you figure out where, let's talk about what to wear. And I know when I emailed this, I think I did it in the the reverse order, actually, but I think maybe uh, apparel is something that we should talk about first because that's kind of the pre-step, right? Like your prior planning prevents poor performance, as they say. And and how do you prepare? How should we recommend that walkers, runners? And, and for the podcast here, we're going to assume that these people are going out to run or, or briskly walk or jog uh, for just our audience listening at home. So what are some of the things that we would recommend, John, in terms of wearing, in terms of clothing? Yeah, luckily, Plenty of products out there. Some super expensive, some not too bad. Uh, whereas when I started running in the '80s, you just kind of had cotton sweats and you wore four pairs of them. And, yeah. You know, long johns probably, but now we've come a long way with you know technology and technical gear. And I tell folks, often folks uh, are like, "What do you do when it gets cold?" And I said, "You know, I always, I, I personally, I've done some treadmill classes. I've taught treadmill classes. I occasionally run on a treadmill. Uh, obviously, treadmill is an option for when it's cold out or." especially if it's icy, but often people are shocked that, that, that I run outside or I lead groups that we run outside, and I would say races are typically outside, unless it's really extreme weather, they're not canceled, you have to be prepared to train in some of this, and uh, here, I was just in LA, it was super warm, and relatively speaking, I just got back uh, Sunday, or Thursday night rather, and uh, you know, now in the 20s on the run today, so it's really simple, Is you just need to layer up, and I ran today, it was 23 degrees in, in, in Central Park with my Make It Nice group, and uh, and uh, you know I had gloves, I had a hat, I had a sweatshirt, I had uh, another sh- a jacket, I had uh, a pair of shorts and long sleeve uh, and pants, and three or four layers. And I was actually almost warm at the end of it. And the trick is layering up. And often people, you say people say, um, experts or coaches or will say you want to dress to be you know 
10 degrees, like, kind of like you're going to be a little cold when you start because obviously your body temperature is going to warm up. You are going to sweat even though it's chilly out. I was dripping wet once I started taking off my layers um, after my run. So you're still sweating. It just doesn't seem as obvious like as it might in the summer. But layer up properly. And the real key is once you're done running, you're not hanging out in your cold, sweaty. And your outer layers might be dry, but your first or second layers are going to absolutely be wet with sweat. And that's where you run into difficulty, whether you're commuting home from a run on the subway, which I had to do today. Um, the key is, you know, you know, yeah, you might want a cup of coffee or grab a bite real quick, but make sure you get a warm, hot shower as soon as you can after that run and get into some dry clothes because um, you know, most people think about that run, but I think the biggest issue, I think, is for folks who um, maybe don't plan appropriately their exit strategy to their run or when they're finished and they have to get off to work or commute a little bit before they get to work or, or gym or, or home. And so layer up, wear the proper uh, hat and gloves and maybe socks and footwear and be um, smart about it. And I, ice is the only time I don't run outside. I'll run in zero degree weather. You can layer up pretty well. It's the ice that's the tricky part. Um, and then, you know, again, just getting out of those wet clothes as soon as you can uh, is kind of give you the most um, opportunity to not get sick and not get run down and not catch that cold. So those are like two major advices. Layers and your exit strategy are important. Yeah, I, I'll tell the audience. I, I ran this past weekend, and it was uh, it was kind of a tale of twos. I, I ran Friday, and then I ran Sunday, and both days were were below or around twenties. And so Friday, I layered with about five layers. And um, I will say this though, John, I think as performance gear has gotten better, Sundays run similar temperature. I only wore two layers, and the difference was I had uh, a performance undertop, which I did not have on Friday, and uh, that first layer was also performance, but did not wick through, you know, the sweat. That first layer was soaked on 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 that second layer day, and I think that's something really critical. I mean, I know pricing has come down, but if you're just going to wear like a cotton t-shirt, um, I would imagine that's probably going to sweat pretty quickly, and and you know be probably soaking wet after the end of your run especially with the temperatures and you know i think the the chances of you know catching a cold or getting sick you know with that unless you change really quick if you're kind of kind of run around for the next couple of hours probably not smart make sure you pack an extra shirt so you can change into something um, but that is really critical um i think or really something to think about when you when you plan you know what to wear john what about um you know for our audience to stay at home and and Clearly, everyone probably runs at different times, and and even I look at myself like I run early in the morning, um, sometimes you know before. And I think the way that we are right now here on the East Coast, the sun doesn't rise. I think until about seven o'clock or seven ten. I think is sunrise right now. So if you're running any time before that, it's pretty dark out. So what are some of the suggestions that we could say to the audience, you know? Or uh, flip side of that is, uh, you know, they're running after work, which you know I think sunset is now like around. I think like 4.54, maybe 5 o'clock-ish. So if people are getting off after 5 and going out to run, what are some of the things or some of the recommendations we can tell our audience here in terms of what they should have on during those hours when there's really not sunlight to protect them? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're layering up still. It's going to be a little cooler without the sun. Um, you want to wear some reflective gear. Some of the, like, some of the main topics with Runner Safety Awareness Week, it's amazing with, uh, you know, I, I started doing some research mainly because of, you know, traffic and people getting hit by buses or cars or bikes and also some of these unfortunate attacks we've had on some of our runners over the last couple of years that at least have gotten depressed. And as I've talked to certain people in groups about runner safety, I've heard, oh, you know, I've got frostbite, which obviously is running safety. Uh, oh, I've got chased by a dog. Yeah. That's not good for your safety. So it's amazing how broad um, runner safety is. And I'm learning that now. And obviously we're Runner Safety Awareness Week, we're going to focus on some of these larger issues like harassment and abuse and traffic safety. Um, but just, you know, running in numbers is, is key. I, I, I always, this is kind of a, a tricky for me because I love running by myself because I feel like I do my best thinking and the freedom just to get out your door, whether it's, you know, in the, in the daylight or the darkness, and you can just be free. And I, I just do a lot. Of, I love running by, by myself. I also love running with groups. So I like to mix it up, mix between the two. But in the dark, you know, if you're going to run by yourself, I would try to pick the days or the weekends where you can have some daylight because 
and also for those folks, you know, who might be um, not have the greatest attention uh, intentions. Uh, if you're by yourself in the dark, you're you're kind of more of a victim. And I, some of these stats that I've been looking through, we're going to be posting these in the next week or so to kind of get some more kind of um, momentum with this uh, this cause. But uh, you know, according to Road ID, there's uh, 122,000 runners a year get, get taken to the hospital if they get hit by a car. I me, mean, it's like I'm like, is that even accurate? Um, that's just I mean, I've seen the occasional park incident, like in Prospect Park or Central Park, where a biker or someone gets hit by a bike, and it's like, oh, that's not great. But these are things that you just kind of you see more and more, and you just kind of hope, you know, you're like, oh, well, it's too bad, and you move on. But you look at these stats, and you have another stat which I think is alarming: is 30% of women runners have been followed by someone in a car, on bike, or on foot. Another one is 43% of women experience harassment while running, and with that number rising to 58% for women under 30, and just 4% of those reported are men that are getting uh, harassed. So it's, there's a whole Me Too movement co- component here, there's a mental health component. So I know there's a lot of major topics on the runner safety, and there's some, you know, like, um, not to pick on people that get frostbite, but, you know, wear, you know, wear proper layers, wear a hat that's not too thin, Maybe you have to double up on your gloves. Maybe wear you know, kind of more moisture-wicking or thicker socks and some of these technical gears. But some of these are easier fixes, and some of these are really big issues that you know we're not necessarily going to fix overnight. But if every runner can be a little more diligent, a little bit more aware, a little more prepared, uh, I think we'll all be better off. But I, I don't want—I don't want to tell people not to run free by themselves. But in the dark, before work or after work, especially January, February, for those that are in the Northeast. Midwest, even um, really, you know, strength in numbers. I'd rather you run in groups, um, and you, you only need one other person to form a group. You don't need a, a group of fifty. You can have. I had a woman that I used to train with in Central Park. She ran at Dartmouth, um, and I used to meet her at five o'clock in the morning in Central Park. And I was, I never missed a run with her because I was like, I would not forgive myself if I didn't meet her one day at five o'clock. And God forbid something happened to her. It was just me and her. So. A group doesn't have to be a huge group, so try to run with people. Try to run in, a, I was just in L.A. for work. I went out there a, a week, a day early, just to scout, because I wanted to know where I was going. I'm not you know, super familiar with L.A., especially where we were staying downtown. Uh, but oftentimes people are traveling for work or whatever. They want to, they're at a hotel or they're a place that they're not used to. And they, like, I ran some parts of L.A. that I was like, oh, I'm not bringing the group here. Um, there was you know, some people on some homeless sections. There was some people living in tents and... Some of that you don't know necessarily until you're in it. Um, so if you're traveling, I think that's more of, of, of an issue or potentially if you don't know where you're going. So, you know, look at Strava for, for, for well-trafficked routes or talk to your, you know, bellhop or concierge at the hotel. You know, when you know where you are, like Pasta Park, I run there most days. Like, you get, you get to know the lay of the land. It's one loop. You see familiar faces. But it's when you're in a new territory, whether that's, you know, you used to make a left turn on a road and you realize there's no sidewalk and trucks are blowing by you. That's not safe. Um, so wear those reflective gear, strengthened numbers. Uh, again, it's, I love running by myself. So it's like, it breaks my heart sometimes to say like, I'll run in groups. But I think in the dark, in the winter, the more you can run with others, um, the safer you'll be. I know I covered a lot there, Dino, so feel free to follow up with No, no, I, I agree with the, everything you just said. I think with, um, you know, in terms of what to wear, the reflective gear, I think, um, you know, and, and I, where I was going was, you know, just definitely if people are going out in hours where there's not sunlight, clearly buddy up is the best thing, right, if you can. Um, and I agree with you. I love running by myself too. Um, so I sometimes have a difficulty buddying up with someone. Um, and even with my group, when I do run on occasion with a group here in Connecticut, uh, I tend to kind of go out a little bit further anyways, to kind of get by myself. Not on purpose, but I think just that's something that I'm just used to. But I know uh, there's a couple people in our group that usually have like uh, flashlights and those might not tend to be kind of the easiest things to hold when you're running. But, uh, you know, they tend to, to be something in terms of safety that oncoming cars or, you know, even when you're running on these trails, if you're on a trail system, regardless, you're not on the, you're not on the street. So it's not so much vehicular safety. But just, uh, you know, 
if there's something rustling in the branches up ahead, or you can kind of shine the light and, oh, it's just a squirrel, you know, or a cat going through versus some yeah. creeper. Yeah, just a headlamp. Those are yeah. I mean, nowadays some of these hiking headlamps. Um, a lot of these ultra runners have them. They're running in, you know, super early, super late, 24-hour races or whatever it is. So some of those headlamps are, you know, they're not probably not all of them aren't cheap, but you probably find ones that are, you know, not super expensive, and I think they're worth worth the investment of. Uh, chance of being safer out there for sure oh without a doubt and i think there's a there's i've got a brand uh which i i we we are not sponsored by them but we'll give them a shout out which is knuckle lights uh they actually wrap around your hand and um so it's kind of uh you know comes the light comes from your knuckles and so there's a band and it's actually so if you have a closed fist like most people usually run with their with their hands closed like in a fist motion right versus like having them open i i've I've yet to see many runners i mean more sprinters will have that open hand uh option but more marathoners you typically see them with a closed fist so these knuckle lights actually conform to that curvature of your fist as uh, the hand as it's closed in that fist kind of motion so uh, i've used those in the past those tend to wear well and um, they've got multiple options to choose from and then I know there's a bunch of other light up devices Um, I've seen kind of the there's I I can't think of the name but it's a safety vest that's put on that lights up in various colors so I I guess for our audience listening at home anything that you can do to illuminate while you are running in the dark is highly recommended And and I guess the last thing I'll say about this John is in all of this we should never, and for our audience listening at home, should never assume that cars or whoever's in our path sees us, right? So just be conscious of where you are in terms of uh, whether you're running on the streets or even, I mean, Central Park just went to no cars, but, you know, there's a lot of bicyclists in Central Park, a lot of parks that don't have for a lot of trail systems even too that don't have uh, motor vehicle traffic will have the bike traffic which is something else to be concerned about as well yeah i think especially i mean crossing park's not as bad but when i live in central park that lower loop especially when it's not you know it's after seven or eight a.m when it's you know people are out and about you know you have cyclists zipping through you have tourists that are not used to you know used to their surroundings and looking left and right um your runners are running fast i'm not doing workouts like i'm running pretty fast relatively speaking it's tough to you know my age to I just put on the brakes. I've had people trip over dog leashes on the bridle path. And, you know, sometimes it's um, just a, some of it's just etiquette, not knowing, you know. So it's, um, but yeah, reverter safety is broader and broader as I'm realizing in, in, in my due diligence and my, you know, asking questions and getting, trying to find the right experts to come on our panels next week. But it's, um, yeah, you know, never assume. I had college coaches always say, never assume. Um, you know, I assume the workout wasn't going to be so hard, or I assume we weren't meeting it for that run, and, and never assume. So that's um, I think probably a good lesson in life, let alone just when you're going out for a run. But definitely important to be uh, conscious of, and and I guess definitely can't predict how someone's going to go left or right. That's why I tell even on the track etiquette when you do track yeah. workouts, not everyone's used to doing track workouts. And I have some of the runners that get past, like especially indoor track, when it's you get past more often because of. Um, only 200 meters versus the outdoor 40 meter track and some of the slower runners feel like they're in the way of the faster runners and they're very when, when someone comes up on them they want to be nice and let them in lane one so they'll jump out in lane two yeah and i would tell people like stay in lane one the runner that's passing you knows exactly where you are they can go around you they're not going to know that you're going to jump out of them last minute because they're trying to be polite you're actually more dangerous by doing that so if you could just i tell all my runners i don't care if they're running six minute pace or 14 minute pace uh, you know on the track own lane one just hug lane one single file faster runners could overtake you on the outside and that's not a big deal but people like kind of try to be polite and they they're trying to do the right thing but they're actually become more of a hazard uh in that track kind of etiquette sense but sometimes on the when it's beyond the track when you're you're on the on the path of the trails you know the dogs because another thing if there's animals out there people walking their dogs you know you don't know which which way the dog is going to go, or even even worse. Sometimes I've been on horse trails, and that's not horses. You don't want to mess with horses. That can, one kick, your things can be over. So just you know, common sense, and definitely never assume 
um, when you're out there on foot for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So next question then is when should you go? Um, and what I mean by that, John, so we've got what to wear, layer up, be reflective, but when should people go? I mean, and this is pretty broad in the sense, I mean, we just talked about, you know, the daylight and, you know, going when it's dark out, but let's also talk about the conditions because right now here in New England, it's cold, but there's not a lot of ice on the roads, right? There's not a lot of ice on tracks still. I think you can still get some track workouts this weekend. Eh, it might be a different story here in New England. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, you were just out in L.A. and the weather was pretty good there. And I know they've had some rain and stuff like that. But our friends there in the Midwest just got shellacked. And our friends to the south, I think D.C., I saw they were having snowball fights on the mall. So uh, D.C. got its fair share of snow this past weekend, uh, past couple of days. And I know the Midwest... Um, I just uh, missed it by about a week. I was just out in Nebraska uh, two weeks ago, and there wasn't uh, that much snow, just like kind of like the piles from plows and stuff like that that usually takes a, a, a really hard warm spell to get rid of. But it looks like they've got some substantial snow right now. So let's talk a little bit about the elements. What do we recommend when uh, there's snow and ice? Because I think that's something else. I there you know, And I'll leave you with this, John, and it's a classic video. You know where I'm going, right? When the reporter's out there and she's like, oh, it's kind of slippery out here. We just saw some cars slipping and sliding. Be careful. And she goes, oh, we're live TV. There's some runners coming at us. And it's like a a guy and a girl. And she goes, oh, the girl goes, it's not that bad. You know, you just got to kind of be cautious. And then they start running. And what does she do? She falls on her derriere, right? And it's just like. She went down hard. Yeah, she went down really hard. Not that I'm laughing at her, but it was just the, if you if you've seen the video, you know why it's funny. But so let's talk about that with the elements. Yeah, I mean, if you have a like a, you know a weekend or a day off, like the, the warmer part of the warmest part of the day is usually at like two or three p.m. depending on cloud cover and whatnot. So you can go in the middle of the day; it's going to be brighter. Uh, now you might have to deal with more traffic and, and foot traffic and car traffic depending on where you live. But you know, the warmer weather is going to be middle of the day. Uh, but again, for most of us are nine to five, and we're you know we're working. So you know, as long as you um, you know, if it's icy, is again the only time that I would skip a run, or I'd run the treadmill, or I'd sit on the bike, or jump in the pool, or just take that day off and move my week around. Um, it's obviously a pull. When it snows, it's typically not that bad. When it snows, it's actually quite beautiful, and it's probably fairly. If it's not too slick, pretty good traction. It's, but the next day, when it freezes over, or maybe gets there's a warm spell for one day. It all melts, and then it freezes again. That's where it gets really uh, tricky. Even that black ice, when it, the road's paved, and it looks like it's clear, but it can be really slick. So it's really, find the sunlight if you can. If you can't do that, um, you know, running in the snow is not bad. Just, you, know, you just know you're going to be using different muscles to stabilize when you're a little bit slippy, flipping around a little bit. Um, typically, I've, I've done workouts or groups where we have whether it's the, the rookies or the freshmen or the injured folks or folks that are just coming back from a break, they'll shovel lane one and two of the track while the rest of us are running around. But I was running <laughs> at Georgetown with her, the Reebok Enclave with Frank Gagliano. He had his walk-ons or freshmen um, uh, Georgetown runners out there like chipping away the ice and the rest of us are running around. Um, but it really is just uh, ice is the, my biggest fear. That woman that you talked about, and I think she fell. Not only did she fall, fall on her butt, I think her head kind of slapped back. And she yeah. Have, so you talk about concussions, head trauma, you know, whiplash. And then if you fall, typically side or, or back, and you don't hit your head, you're bracing yourself with your wrist or elbow, and you get a fractured. Yeah, my mom, actually, she wasn't running, but she was walking this was like five years ago. I felt bad because she was picking up my car at the local shop. And she tripped on the sidewalk and broke both her elbows. Mm. Um, so cause it's the bracing wow. that is the issue sometimes. And I mean, just think about it. What, if you don't have both your hands, what can't you do? Can't <laughs> you do can't anything. feed yourself. You can't yeah. go to the bathroom by yourself. So I felt a little guilty about that one just because she was picking up my car. My dad gave, gave it to me pretty good. Um, but yeah, your, your ankles, uh, I'm sorry, more uh, wrists, elbows, concussions, um, you know, so just don't be a hero when it's icy. Again, 
go out there in zero degree weather with the proper layers. Uh, but if it's icy, you know, that's when you definitely want to skip a run, be creative, stay inside, do stairs, do a core workout, watch a video, have God knows there's a number of apps out there that you can get something in and be creative in your house. But uh, I think sunlight, you can seek it, is good. Um, cold weather in the dark is gonna, just going to be nature of the beast for uh, us in the north, you know, northeast, or actually most of the country, actually. Even in L.A., it was pretty dark in the morning and the evening. I just was pretty warm, luckily. But, um, yeah, just, um, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not sure, you know, it's okay to skip. And again, we'll have these Arctic freezes where it's, you know, zero degrees or eight degrees for a couple of days or a week. Um, you know, you just have to be creative. You know, go inside if you can. Um, and just, uh, you know, make it up the next week or the people I coach. You know, it's tough to give a 10-day program for the NYCF, for example, because I don't know their weather. I don't know how they're going to feel. I don't know their schedule. All these things change. That's where I come in as a coach. I can help you manage these changes and these tweaks. Uh, but all these programs are always written in pencil because there's all these factors like weather um, that you can't predict until you get to it. So and you have to deal with it and make changes on the fly. So just be flexible with your program. Be smart. Strengthen numbers with the proper layers. Um, and you'll be a lot more, you know, a lot better off. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. And I think, you know, the other thing too is, I mean, I think what we've seen here, at least in the Northeast, where we've had some days like last week, you know, that were close to the 40s, you know, so you you get kind of this false sense like, hey, it's not winter. And uh, I know I, I ran... So last week, as a great example, I think Tuesday I was in shorts and Friday I was in four layers, you know, so we have these dramatic swings and that also goes for the temperature, you know, now we get some snow and you've got, you know, I think what you said is really powerful. You've got snow is okay to run in and I've run plenty of times in snow and they sell multiple, you know, yak tracks, I think is a brand. Again, we're not sponsored by them and I guess we're giving them a plug, but I've never run in them. So I don't know how they work, but I know people have used that. I've actually drilled uh, hex screws. I've taken old pairs of sneakers and for those icy days or those snowy days, um, I, I've taken like hex screws, which are like sheet metal screws basically and drilled them to the bottom and you can get screws that are like an eighth of an inch um, you know in terms of uh, the screw and you can drill those right into your sole like I would recommend an older pair and those became kind of my snowshoes that I would use um, you know and, and you, you put them strategically on the bottom of the shoe where you would get the most traction and you know for days when you have to run in snow or ice um, not necessarily that you want to run on ice because that's not a smart thing to do but just on those snowy days where there might be some ice underground those hex screws work great um, I actually have run in like thick snow with my trail shoes um, that seem to do pretty well as well they've got kind of more of the grippier bottoms and some more nubs but uh, that, that's really powerful stuff, um, what you said, which is like, hey, if it's bad, there's nothing wrong with being creative. If you live in a building, I've seen this, you know, people doing stairs, you know, if you, if you live like a 10-story building, just go up and down the stairs, you know, four or five times, enough to get your heart rate going. And not necessarily, you know, if people are concerned about not being able to run that day to lose that cardiovascular. And the other reality too, John, is like how many times I think – in the past, I mean, I know we had a really bad snowstorm here in Connecticut probably about six years ago, and it was about three days where we didn't get plowed out. That That's kind of an anomaly. That's not the norm. So, uh, you know, usually within 24 to 48 hours, you can get back out onto the road um, or, you know, onto a trail system. I know Minneapolis area has a Minneapolis-St. Paul. They have a great trail system, and clearly those people are really accustomed to dealing with the elements. But they uh, sometimes, uh, I was there last year, and people were saying sometimes the trails are plowed even before most of the streets. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it kind of kind of is a, an interesting thing there where, where their trail system for running and biking and walking is, is plowed before some of the streets. So, again, as we said in the very beginning, just use common sense. Yeah, and even a couple of years ago, we had a lot of snow here. Boston got crushed. And yeah. I think they were, they were able to clear like a five-mile stretch. Everyone training for the Boston Marathon. On you know, that five miles. Just yeah. ran back and forth on this five-mile stretch. And, A, it's boring, but 
you know, there's a bunch of people doing it, and it was, you know, kind of like we're all in this together. And yeah, five miles is, is, you know, it's not like it's a one mile stretch. Like five miles is there and back, ten miles is pretty good. But yeah, people make it work. And it was this woman, Christine Clark, won the 1996 U.S. Trials in the marathon. She lives in Alaska. I think she did 95 percent of her running on treadmills anyway. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying train all on treadmills, but at least you can control that environment. It might get boring. You might have to play a lot of games of, you know, up and down on the uh, incline or doing, you know, interval training, you know, just to kind of break up the run or put on a movie. Yeah, um, you but, find a way. You know, there's enough, enough, enough um, you know, audibles you can call and now that we're in the football playoffs. Um, Absolutely. Football term. Absolutely, absolutely. So... Let's talk a little bit about where to run, John. And, and I'm sure with our audience listening, we've got a huge variety of people. Some live in the city, some live out in the suburbs, and some live in the country. So where could people run when it comes to picking a specific location? And I, I, I'm always a big uh, fan of running on trails because of the soft surfaces. But in the winter, those trails become harder and harder. And sometimes they feel just as hard as, as the cement and the roads. And the roads might be, you know, probably better lit. So, again, I'm always pushing people on soft surfaces, but in the winter, you're probably better off running on the roads. It's more likely to be under some light. But um, wherever it's not icy, you know, go to a track to do a workout. Most people have, I mean, there's not a ton of tracks here in the city, but there's one at Red Hook. There's one on the west side on 137th Street. There's an east side track on East 6th Street. Um, sometimes if it's early enough, you can go in the city. I've done intervals around a there's just a, a building block where, you know, there's not the rat race yet or a lot of the commuters aren't out yet and have some free beauty of going early. It might be dark, but you have kind of more options to run with, especially if you're being safe, running with, with groups. Um, but it's, um, you know, in the city for, for sure. You know, it's pretty, you know, it's not too dark in the city because it's just all these buildings and all these lights. And so you can definitely be creative with that if you are an urban runner. You know, if you're out there in the... Uh, you know, kind of more of the, you know, suburban areas. Just go, you know, go where you know. Uh, go where there's sidewalks. You know, I, I, I'm amazed. Sometimes, sometimes I go out. I went to uh, a, a wedding in New Hampshire a couple weeks ago for New Year's, and uh, I tried to go for a run. And like, once I went out out the door, I was like, there's no sidewalks. Yeah. You know, there's a sidewalk on the main strip, like for example, where you guys are located, Project Purple. But then you go off, you know, the grid, and you're like on these not major highways, but kind of like service roads. And you know, sometimes they have big shoulders. Sometimes they're not very big, especially if it snows and there's a lot of plowing. It eats into that shoulder. So in the city, you always have a more predictable a lot of places to go. But if you're not in the city, I feel like you have less options. I'm going to Maine this weekend for um, you know, to hang out with some friends that moved up there, and you know, I'm not like panicking. I usually just run to the high school and just do laps around the track because. There's really not a lot of sidewalks. No. You know, you know, where they are. They're 20 minutes outside Portland, Maine. I'm like, where do you have to always drive to a park? Uh, but even that, you know, the snow, it might not be uh, well-maintained. So it's, uh, again, it might be cement city, but you often have more options in the city environment just because, you know, you know where you know, typically know where you are. There's more people around. There's more light. Uh, but um, this is where you definitely want to use common sense. There's a place where never been before i'd rather go there in the light when it's light to scout it out on a run um or maybe with a group so that if you have to have to be there on your own you kind of know where the exits are or where like you know probably scenarios in your head like, okay if something's going to go down you know it doesn't have phone phone uh, uh service you know you don't want to be out on a run and there's no cell phone service you know having people know that you're on a run and where your route's going to be is important but um you know, as long as there's no ice and there's uh, just give cell phone service, I think that's those are two kind of main things to be conscious of. If uh, you know, get get injured and you just slip and you hurt your knee, and your cell phone doesn't work and no one knows where you are, that's not great. Uh, especially if it's cold and it's, you're standing there, and you're stuck in a off to the side of the road, no one knows where you are. So there's, I mean, again, all these scenarios play in my head. The coach, you know, you run into things, but um, whatever's going to be the safest is really the way to go and workout is not as important as being safe absolutely and i think the other thing too we focus on outside but 
I know one of the big crazes, not big craze, but one of the newer uh, fitness activities or group fitness activities is now these indoor treadmill classes, right? There's a couple in New York City, there's a couple in Boston. So, you know, clearly if you are uh, traveling, you always have the the hotel uh, treadmills and, and something that I love to do when I travel is always get out and run. But clearly sometimes there's some smarts there that I have to kind of take precedent, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, if I'm staying in, a, in an area that just isn't accommodating in terms of getting out and just running um, or if it's just weather related, you know, um, and sometimes that does happen. And I've had to, unfortunately, you know, log my miles on the treadmill at the hotel um, but, you know, I think that's something that, you know, again, using smarts, being head smart versus, you know, oh, I'm just going to go out and I'm in, you know, southern L.A. and I'm just going to go out and run and I don't really know the area. I've never been in that area. Maybe it's just best to stay on the treadmill or. You, know, good, you bring up a good point because yeah. not, not that weather meteorology is, uh, is the exact science. Correct. Uh, you know, obviously here in New York, we had uh, a month ago or six weeks ago, we had the supposed to get one inch we got like seven inches and like kids were stuck on buses for three hours yeah yeah but look at the schedule i would do that where i'm like okay i want to do one hard workout a week um oh tuesday is my speed um we're gonna get five inches uh, or oh my long run is saturday uh but it's gonna be you know you know we're getting 18 inches well get up early on that friday get your long run in yep um and then if, and then you're then you're not worried about running in the snow maybe you do for you know a three or four mile jog in the snow and have fun but you're not like so focused on running 12 miles in like a foot of snow so look at the week and i would even look i have to uh it's not running related but i have to like clean out my grill and like my wife's on my case to uh make sure the backyard's in order here in brooklyn um and i have to do it this week <laughs> And I'm like, all right, I think Wednesday is going to be high of 40, you know, there's like a, versus today. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to do that Thursday because <laughs> it's going to be the warmest day. And so just like, obviously that's not running related, but it's still me being outdoors. I'd rather do it in 40 degree weather than 26. So look at the week, try to, I mean, we're supposed to get some snow this weekend. So, you know, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I have, I've done my long runs on Friday early mornings going into Murrow Project back in the day. And I end up getting 10 or 14 miles in because I have to, leave Brooklyn to go to Manhattan back. And then I realized, wow, I just did a 14 miler. Yeah, I got up at 4.30 in the morning, but guess what? My Saturday and Sunday I'm free because I have to do a day off and a five mile shakeout. So look at the schedule, look at the weather that you, that's forecast. That again, not always exact science, not always guaranteed, but for the most part, you'll know when there's gonna be a storm or it's gonna be rainy or icy, and you could change your week, you know, where you do your harder effort or your longer effort in the best weather day of the week. And that's something that, um, and again, if it's like a close, you know, ten day cold spell, kind of like that's like the extreme, but uh, you make it work. For the most part, even here in New York, it's the average temperature is typically in the low thirties in the winter. It's just today happens to be colder, and you know, sometimes you get these Arctic blasts that come in. Just have a couple of days off and be creative, and uh, you know, try to forecast. You know, use that forecast for our advantage um, when it when it's possible. Absolutely, absolutely. So what should some of our audience know, or not some, but all of our audience know when it comes to running? And what do I mean by this, John, is we've mentioned a lot, but car safety. What What is it? And I'll start with, I've got a couple things written down here. Car safety. Let's assume have to run in the streets with traffic, against traffic. What, what is the rule when it comes to yeah, running with traffic or without, you know, against traffic. Yeah, I was, I was like call out people when they're doing this, especially like in the country. Yeah. Uh, run against traffic. Where cyclists have, you know, are supposed to by law are supposed to feel they're like a vehicle. They're uh, on the right side of the road. Um, you want to run against the traffic so the cyclists and the runner and the and the car or the trucks can see you or the buses. Um, yep. They might not always see you. Don't assume that they will see you. But you're more likely to see them, and they're more likely to see you if you're running at them. Um, this is typically on the main road, you know, so you wear your reflective gear. But that, that's like a, a kind of, um, I don't know, like kind of running protocol 101, where it's you know run against traffic. You're more likely to be seen. Um, one thing I noticed is a lot of one ways or people pulling out of driveways or. Um, and, you know, the traffic, the car traffic is only coming one way, so they only look 
they're making a right onto a one way out of the driveway or whatever. They're only looking left because that's where the cars are coming. Correct. But they might have pedestrians or cyclists, uh, or not cyclists, pedestrians or running or walker walkers. And oftentimes what I'll do is um, I'll wait there. You can tell the driver's not watching. Instead of just going behind them, I used to just run in front of them, and I was a little bit more brash and young. and little, little, <laughs> uh, Sometimes I would just run over the front of the car to me and my teammates because it's the proof of point. I don't recommend doing that <laughs> uh, anymore, and, you know, but I was you know, 18 or 17 at the time. But um, I'll wait there, and when the car is about to pull out, I'm not in their way where I'm at risk, but it just kind of wakes them up where they're like, whoa, it was startled them. And they're like, yeah, you got to look both ways. Now, this is a two-way for pedestrians. Maybe it's a one-way for cyclists and uh, trucks and buses, but I often see that where people are rolling through a stop sign and they're only looking one way because they're worried about the cars and they have a woman with their stroller you know, coming or God forbid. So, um, like I said, your point of never assuming, absolutely. And now I always go behind the car. I'm like, it's not worth it. Whereas my youth, I would try to prove points and, uh, you know, you don't necessarily deep start getting road rage or getting into arguments about it, but it was more just an awareness piece of and making sure the driver needs to know that they, they need to look both ways. Um, but definitely running against traffic is like kind of definitely our typical rule. Um, and it just, you know, again, it's like, uh, you, know, you got to be seen, you know, you got to be visible, you got to be bright uh, in the darkness. Um, and even that run, you know, if it's a boring route, but it's safer, like you might have some sidewalks in your immediate neighborhood and, once you go off to sure by where you live, Dino, or you go to Project Purple, I've been there, where it's, you know, maybe by your house, there's plenty of places to run, but once you go off, like, a couple blocks here on a service road, there's no tra- there's no sidewalks at all. So I would nah, stick we- to parks or residential areas. Yeah. Try to avoid those roads that are, have no sidewalks and that, you know, and the cars are typically going faster because it's not like traffic lights. It's more open. People going 70, 80 miles an hour, like, yeah, that's, yeah, I think in an ideal world, and even where our office is, I mean, we've got sidewalks, but then there is a trail system here in Connecticut that unfortunately doesn't connect each of the town, uh, each of the towns. So as much as we try to stay in those trails, I, I think it becomes a challenge. So uh, I think running, excuse me, in streets and with traffic is, is probably something that's quite common. And I think the one thing, you know, for our runners listening at home is, yeah, always go against traffic. It pains me every time I see, even people walking, John, is so scary. Because, I mean, think about this. If someone's texting and they start to veer off the side of the road, and this is this is not a make-believe, this is a real-life situation in this day and age, how are you going to see them if you're with traffic and they're behind you? Now, if right. someone is texting and veering off the road and you are against traffic in the direction of traffic, and whether you're walking or running, you're going to be able to see that. And that's something else that I think our runners hopefully take to heart is like, even though there's cars on the road, doesn't mean that you put your head down. Um, you still want to be conscious about the cars in front of you, making sure that they still see you. Because I know there's been plenty of times, um, even you know, here in Connecticut, I can remember multiple times I've been hit probably, uh, almost hit, I should say, numerous times. Times, uh, enough that I can't even remember the count but I remember there was this one time I was running on a Sunday afternoon doing one of my long runs this is, this is a couple years back for one of my races and um, you know it was daylight it was Sunday and um, unfortunately this older lady and I was well within the breakdown lane of the road and the, and the road was good that uh, it had a breakdown lane so you would assume that people would not be driving in the breakdown lane um, but this lady took the turn and uh, she was all the way over in the breakdown lane and I literally had to jump onto uh, the grass there was no sidewalk it was just like a grass curb and um yeah, it, it was it was scary, you know, because that was kind of the first time, you know, with the car coming at me that I thought, you know, usually cars see you and they kind of swerve out of the way, um, but this lady did not, and um, she was gonna take me out, man. And another situation I had far too recently was uh, a DOT truck, actually, believe it or not, coming off a highway ramp, and he didn't look uh, he didn't look to his right. You know, everyone looks to the left because you're going against yep. traffic, and, you know, he stopped short, and uh, he, uh, he apologized profusely, but uh, I was just like, hey, man, next time just make sure you look both left and right, and he, he kind of took it to heart and uh he was he was very apologetic but yeah you just can't assume and and for those people listening that don't run uh 
you know, this is my other pet peeve when people, I, I'm sure you've seen it, John, if you've run on the streets, you know, these people in their cars, they like beep at you or they yell at you to get off the, get off the roads or get on right. the other side of the road. No. Uh, first of all, pedestrians have the right of way, whether we're walking or running. That's a law. I'm not making that up. Just right. like in crosswalks. I think this is the other thing, too. I had this happen to me the other day. Uh, I was running, and uh, I got to the crosswalk, and I stopped, thank God, um, and assuming that the other cars would stop. It wasn't a stop sign, but it's a it's a legal crosswalk where in a crosswalk, cars need to let pedestrians cross. That's the whole term of a crosswalk. Um, and uh, the cars didn't stop. You know, so uh, for those listening at home that aren't runners, um, you know, you are required to stop at crosswalks for pedestrians and pedestrians also have the right of way when they're running or walking against traffic. That's a great point because I've actually traveled here in New York, even Brooklyn or even Long Island. I don't I haven't seen a lot of those where the pedestrian gets the right of way, like when crossing the street. Sometimes yeah. they have signs and it's blinking. And when yeah. The person, but I've been in places where like I'm not, I don't, I don't drive a lot of places that have that and the Hamptons they have it I remember but this are the times where I've been not speeding but not slowing down like I should and all of a sudden like people walk across the road and I'm, I'm not you know whether it's in Connecticut or in a different state so depending on where you live and if you're traveling being a state to state you maybe not used to uh, that that's, that's I mean again I've been big, I've been uh, guilty of um, luckily you're not hitting anyone but but not really realizing I had to stop because um, people are on the side of the road. So that's an excellent point where, you know, you mean well, you're just not used to doing it, and all of a sudden, you know, people start walking out and you're not slowing down. They, they think that you're, you know, it's your 80th time of driving on that block and you're definitely going to stop, but it might be your first time driving on that road and you're not, you're not thinking about that. So definitely be extra cautious, extra focused, and extra aware of your surroundings and never assume it's really just a lesson there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so a couple other things I have here is, uh, animals. And this happened to me this weekend. We were at, my wife and I were out trading, training for the New York city half, by the way, it's coming up in March for project purple. And, uh, we were on a trail lady pulled up. She was getting out, uh, getting a bike out. She had a huge Hungarian Visla, very friendly dog, but this one was big, so a little intimidating. And uh, we were running, and she had him on the leash when we ran by the first time. And we went down about a mile, and then I could tell she was going to hop on the on the trail with the bike. And I didn't know if she was going to keep the dog on the leash. Well, you know, we went down, and then on our way back, wouldn't you know, dog was not on the leash, but she was riding. And she said, oh, he's friendly. And I said, oh, okay. But I think we take assumptions, like when we encounter animals out in streets or on trails or in the wild unleashed which uh, i don't know what the the law is but uh, i think every state differs um don't assume that all animals are friendly right no exactly i know I've, even at central park i've run into where yeah. i think it's before eight o'clock or before nine um especially the dogs are allowed to be off leash but whenever that time turns over and there's more traffic and runners like i feel like some some owners don't um follow that and they keep their dogs off leash and most of the time the dogs are friendly and you can tell the owners that might be concerned about the dog being not friendly they like you know make sure they put the leash on and they but yeah sometimes they have that fear factor where you know the dog might sense fear and if you like my wife hates dogs and like as far as is, is afraid of them and so people tense up and that affects the uh uh, the mood or the vibe in the air that could be that dangerous but even um, I used to live in Boulder, Colorado and um, you know, the, 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 I wasn't worried about dogs but there was bears and there was mountain lions and you see these warnings on the trail and it's like for a bear uh, I'm not sure if it's every type of bear just the ones that were in that area they're supposed to act like a tree <laughs> and not move so typically oh. the bear will like, attack, like run at you at full speed and if you don't move Supposedly, um, they'll stop and think that you're just not. I, I, I don't know if I could even, I could ever do that. I think it, it nature is the run, and that uh, I guess not. And then for the mountain lion, it's the opposite. You have to yell and scream and jump around and wave your arms and make yourself as big as possible. And if you were on the ground with a mountain lion, you're supposed to try to push their eyes in. So like I'm reading these tips, but I'm like, oh my god, like stand straight like a tree and have this like 
thousand, two thousand pound bear run at you, like don't, that's not happening. And then like, I'm gouging out these eyes of a mountain lion. I'm like, luckily, I mean, I've never had been in those circumstances. I've never even seen either. But I lived in Boulder, Colorado, three different times, and I would see some of these signs, and these were the warnings, and these are the instructions that they would give you. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the black. But you know what? The black. Intense. The black bear one. You know, for anyone listening in New England, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, you know, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine. I mean, that's that's a reality, right? Not necessarily out in the Midwest or out in the in the West and the Rockies, because we've seen plenty of black bear sightings, even locally here. And that's something, John, that I've always kind of, you know, in the early morning runs, I'm like, oh God, man, what am I going to run into? I actually ran last week and I, I jumped on a trail, but I have not run through and the first thought that came to my mind was like all right what do i do if something jumps out like if it's something larger than like you know a raccoon or uh you know a squirrel where am i going and how fast can i get back to safety and so that's something that uh, i think is uh has become unfortunately far too common i mean wasn't there well it was up in northern canada or lake placid where you know there was the triathlon and they had the bear sighting on the yep. course and they brought out some mounties to kind of or some police or mounties to just kind of stay in that area god forbid you know one of the triathletes got bit or got a, a cost and I, I actually just read something what was it in runner's world that there was a trail race now granted this was out in canada i believe and the guy who was in first encountered a bear and backtracked and ended up falling to second and his complaint was well i had to backtrack because of the bear and i guess the race makes people sign waivers that you know if you encounter wildlife you know it's on your responsibility to kind of deal with it and not on the race folks and i was like oh that's kind of a shame but uh yeah in in all seriousness uh you you have to be conscious of that so just be careful of of your surroundings um and you just never know when you're in a counter and don't assume that a dog is friendly or you know don't go up and pet the black bear just because you've seen on tv that people pet black bears or they give them food and they become animals or wild animals you know so i mean yeah i'm just looking up now you know if you google like trail runner attacked by a 16 year old got murdered uh, not murdered i guess attacked and killed yeah uh 16 year old was running running a marathon race and granted it was alaska so i mean yeah like but it was, still you know you know connecticut but um, yeah, it's, it's like hitting a shark attack. It's like rare, but they're out there. You know, it happens. You know. Yeah, so absolutely. You know. So be conscious of that. And then my last thing, John, and I know we touched on this earlier, is people, right? And so that the 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 people that are around, and I think the same could be said, similar to like that instance where I had this what looked like a friendly dog. You know, coming up to me and dogs could easily, you know, get spooked. You don't know their history. So the same could be said for people because I've been on trail runs with my group before and and early in the morning and we've encountered some interesting people. I've even been in the city. uh, Tell tell a funny story, which I thought was funny at the time, but could have had some serious consequences. It was uh, the year that the New York Marathon was on Halloween, the day after Halloween. And this was going back, I believe, 2015, maybe. And uh, I remember running out on the West Side Highway to get away from all the, the activity in Central Park. And we encountered a couple of people that were out really late at night and probably still drunk and got kind of abusive with us on the West Side Highway. Um, and that's kind of not as severe, but there are some, uh, unfortunately, some people out there that are looking to do harm. Uh, to people that are out there running. So what may seem like, again, like this really friendly dog or really friendly person may not be. So just be aware of uh, stranger danger, I guess, is the best word to use here. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, and we had, I had a runner safety kind of a awareness meeting kind of a, to kind of help prep for the next week. And, I, you know, we scheduled it a month out, and it was at, a, you know, whatever venue we picked here in New York, and local partner, and, that week, we were meeting on a Wednesday, I think, or a Thursday. Uh, that week, the, a gentleman around 10 p.m. in Central Park got mugged by two other gentlemen um, at the end of his run. So you're obviously more, you know, typically, depending on how hard you're running, you're more tired, you're more, I guess, tempted to be a victim 
before we met to talk about this, there's that woman who was out on a run in Washington, D.C. in Logan Circle, like 8 o'clock at night, like dark, but like well-trafficked, and someone who just wasn't mentally sound, obviously, came out of nowhere and like stabbed her a couple times in the face. She had like fallen into like a Chinese restaurant and then she ended up not making it. And again, those are extreme examples. It's kind of like the near state marathon. There's plenty of police out there, but it's really tough to police every inch of the 26 miles. Same thing like out there running in the city. Uh, just because you are running uh, in the daylight and um, doesn't mean that those risks don't go away. They're obviously uh, probably less, so the risks probably go down, but doesn't mean they go, they're not erased when it's daylight. So if you're by yourself, um, that's why, you know, I, some people love headphones. You know, if you're by yourself, especially in the dark, try not to, you know, have at least both uh, earbuds in. But, you know, you never know. I mean, here in New York City, for example, there's always people. I mean, I, on the subway, you run into people. Some of the things that I'm looking not forward to, but I'm looking forward to in the sense that I'm hoping to learn a lot. We have experts from the DOT. We have um, several self-defense instructors. We have uh, de-escalation experts so when it comes to mental health, where the conversations that we'll be having in some of these um, expert panel talks we're having the next week uh, here in New York. And we're going to hopefully film some of those and put up on the, on the runcollective.com website. The Run Collective is the group that's putting this on. It's just a group of people like me that lead stuff in the running space that got together to kind of help with this. But it's just being more educated, more aware. Um, I, I run into people that say, oh, I shouldn't need a self-defense class. And, you know, I, I wish we didn't. But if you have it, and if you have a couple tricks to a call for help or maybe to fend off someone, uh, gives you 15 or 10 or 20 more seconds, that might be enough to get help or get someone to, to be aware that you're in a situation. So um, I'm looking forward to these conversations because I think they'll help educate some of us and then we can help spread that um, awareness, really is the awareness piece there. So um, whether it's, I mean, I've, I know this guy, Todd Williams, is a two-time Olympian, but he's also now a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu. I'm bringing him in from Michigan. He's been teaching a Run Safer program for seven years. So I'm really excited to spend some time with him and, and learn from him. And he has some videos on his runsafer.com website where I've actually learned a few quick tips on like what happens when you get knocked down. Your, your, your instinct is to get right back up. But his theory is, or is that you're better off staying on the ground and keeping your feet between you and the attacker. Yeah. Because then you can see attack the attacker. And maybe you're yelling while you're giving yourself more time. Uh, whereas if you get knocked down and your, your instinct is to get right back up and you might be not facing the crap in there, you're more... Uh, vulnerable. So this, that's something where your instinct is to get back up. Even some of the grips he'll he'll teach. Um, you know, if someone's stronger than you and they grab your wrist, and you're trying to do a tug of war with your wrist, they're going to win every time. But if you just turn your wrist and and and, and, and push in the, the direction of where their grip is, like some of these tricks, I'm like, wow, I wish I would have known. And I mean, luckily I've never been attacked. But uh, actually, one time in New York, they got attacked by like 20 kids, and like it was Christmas night. The one time I got attacked, I was coming back from a run from Central Park, and 20 kids were throwing snowballs at me and, like, filming it. I don't know if it was, like, a gang thing or whatever it was, <laughs> but um, I was, you know, that was obviously pretty scary because, you know, they were, they were probably 15, 16, 17 years old, and I was, you know, but there was, like, 20 of them. Um, and so that, that I, luckily, I would just run at one of them, and which is, I'm not saying that's the best idea, and they would, one-on-one, I was probably good, but they were kind of just having fun with me, and, but you never know, those things can go south pretty quickly. But, you know, just look on, online, Google stuff, and this guy, Todd Williams, I learned from just watching some of his videos on things that maybe extend the time that you have to get help or a, a way to get dis, get out of a situation where uh, maybe you're dealing with someone with mental health issues and just ways of probably to, to make that less of a risk, you know. So I'm hoping that I learn and people that are able to attend uh, learn and that we're all a little bit more better off if we find ourselves in a precarious situation for sure so education is key awareness is key and and again some of these conversations will just be just that just that conversations about some of these issues you know might not affect it might not change the, the, the teenager that might be texting and driving but it, it might make you more aware um hopefully some of these incidents we have less of them absolutely so last 
give our listeners, so if you live in the New York area, uh, New York City area, I should say, and you're looking to uh, get this information, John, how can they get this information? I know you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the collaboration and the collective that's involved in this. I know there's a website up. So uh, here's the opportunity to kind of, if people want to learn more, um, they can go to the website and see what's going on for the week of the 23rd through the 26th here in January and uh, maybe sit in on some of these experts and hear them talk and hear what they have to say with regards to yeah. safety. Yeah, the, the website is really simple. It's therunncollective.com, and on that, it's, it's actually just this week, uh, the Awareness Week. Uh, the Run Collective even didn't even have a website because it was more of a casual thing, but this issue kind of forced our hand to have a you know, space a place for the people to go. Starts on Wednesday. We're actually kicking it off at the New York Roadrunners Run Center. Um, we have, we'll have with a panel discussion. We have an expert from the DOT. We have a jiu-jitsu instructor. We have Tyler Minsberg, who I coached for the New York City Marathon. She's the New York Times writer that wrote that article called uh, Running Wild Female uh, about a couple months ago. And that's more just a discussion. And then uh, Thursday, we have a couple of things. Brooklyn Running Company. We have Ty Williams coming in for a self-defense workshop from Michigan. Uh, we are we're, one of our bigger initiatives. The week is uh, kind of a citizen run, we're calling it, and mm-hmm. it's, um, we're going to meet at Times Square at 6 a.m. And the goal is to have all these various groups. We don't want, necessarily want you running by yourself there, but with your training partner, or your team, or your crew, you know, however you, far you want to run, that's fine. But we're meeting at 6 a.m. and it's more of a uh, you know, Times Square center of the universe. Um, we're trying to get a couple hundred people out there where we're more just you know an awareness run where we're trying to be strength in numbers and community oriented and uh, we'll probably have a couple quick announcements. We'll have a moment of silence for some of the victims we've had in the last couple of years, unfortunately. Big group photo. I'll probably have some media there, Channel 7 and Channel 5 News committed to covering parts of this. And then actually we're all able to go to the, the new Lululemon and Columbus Circle, which is brand new. It's two floors yep. uh, for coffee and snacks. And that's called that community and coffee. It's just really having a conversation with each other doesn't all have to be about self-defense or mental wellness, illness. It's more just building community and the stronger our community is, the safer we'll all be. And then there's a couple more workshops on there. We're working out of um, Custom PT is one of our partners. We have uh, Finish Line PT, Lululemon. Uh, there's a big um, the Lululemon hub on 17th Street. Um, we're going to have another um, big what it means to be a good run citizen discussion, where we have uh, someone from the, the mayor's office going to talk about domestic violence and women's rights, because there is a Me Too component to this, and most of the victims uh, are, are women under the age of 30, so we want to make sure that that's part of the conversation on how to discuss that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really just about educating each other and being more aware, and not trying to panic anyone. We want to make sure that we're all as safe as we can be, and we're all a little bit better, a little bit more aware, a little bit more prepared, I think we'll be safer as a whole. And that's not going to fix everything, but maybe it'll be a little bit better and those percentages of issues go down and uh, we save some lives and we save, just like, you know, obviously Project Purple is an important cause and we're out there running uh, to raise awareness and funds to conquer that evil disease. You know, we want to be safe doing it, you know. So, because if we're, we're not able to run, in this case, um, because if, you know, get hit by a car or get attacked, and we obviously can still do awareness stuff with Project Purple, but that's just an example of, you know, <laughs> there's many reasons why we want to be free to run. So let's do oh, it in a safe way so we can do all these things that we want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being such a, a great guest here today, John, uh, on the podcast. Uh, it's been really a lot of fun for me. Having you on always is great, but talking a little bit about runner safety because this is really critical. You know, and, and I, I go back to this from what I said from the very beginning. Whether you walk, run, uh, just this is common sense, but I think there's some great tips great advice that everyone can take from this and for those living in the new york city area hopefully you do take advantage of the run collective uh from january 23rd to the 26th with some great events going on that new lulu store is awesome the the run center is great so uh hopefully people do take advantage of everything that's going on and the best part about it it's all free absolutely and then i'm also looking forward to you know folks that are training with project purple for the mic half and some other races we are looking to we have some uh, tentative uh, dates February and March yeah. that we all can get together and, and, and be part of this community building where um, 
So I'm looking forward to some of those runs to get to know some of the team and or re- get, get reintroduced to some of the folks we coached last year. So appreciate the opportunity to work with Project Purple and look for, forward to continuing to do so. Awesome. Well, thanks, John, for another great podcast. And that's a wrap. Yeah.